It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 294 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. I almost forget the name of our podcast there. No, I <laughs> I have notes in front of me because it's one of our marathon intro days mm-hmm. because it's the holidays. I have to do, you know, front load a lot of stuff. And I, as soon as I said 294, I was like, wait, is that right? Even though it's right in front right of in me. Right in front of you, yeah. Um, it was almost going to be a longer day than we thought because we almost were going to do our first episode of January today, too. And you're like, hey, are you here at least one day next week? Because we, Jill and I honestly would have seen each other like four hours with a recording day. And so yep. not that I don't appreciate hanging out. but I know, but I hadn't prepared for that second exactly. one. So when I was looking at the calendar, I was like, wait, there might be one opportunity. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Um, so... What, uh, there's some things, do you want to talk about the big thing we're doing in January now, or do you want to wait for another episode that we're kicking off the thing that we're doing? Well, now that you've mentioned it. <laughs> well, we could, it's like a teaser. Do you want to talk about it now? And we could just bring it up every single time? Sure. The reason I say that is because we need to have the things ready for it to provide everybody. This is The thing very... I made? That's what you're talking about? That's uh-huh. what we're talking about here? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Go for it. Okay. So long-time listeners know that um, over the course of this year, did we do it last year too? Did we do it in 2017? Yes. The breakdown of e- Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, because people were like, that's a really great thing. Thank you. So we kept doing it. Okay. So, um, you know, we, uh, Book Riot and other websites have their um, reading challenges. And so last year and this year we, um, you know, offered up suggestions for the Book Riot uh, reading challenge, but then... For 2019, mm-hmm. we decided we'd have our own reading challenge. Yeah, we can do this. We can do that. Yeah. Um, also, this was born out of our 30-day book challenge that uh, you came up with and you and I started doing in November, uh, looking at the analytics of things that was like more popular than any episode we've ever done. And of course also, it was. Yeah, of course it was. And also... Um, like I wrote a blog about it for uh, the for Overdrive's blog, and it also is one of the most popular blogs that's been written in the past couple months. So clearly, we struck a chord with people. So you know, strike while the iron's hot, or whatever they say. So yeah, we're gonna do a a, a book challenge next year. And when, just to clarify, when you say it was born out of, I mean like, that's sort of how it happened. But there were things that we took from the book challenge, from the thirty day book challenge, to include. Uh, I think one of them was like, because I think one of the ones on the 30-day book challenge was like a classic book you had never read. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the challenges for 2019 in our book challenge is read a classic book you've never read or have been meaning to or something. Yeah, Adam's tackling that right now. (laughs) I won't get into it now, but I'm listening to War and Peace. So for the next like three weeks, if you're like, I wonder what Adam's listening to, it's War and Peace. Um, Do you want to go through what we have? Like, or do you want me to... Keep talking while you look it up, and we can provide people. Um, just so you know, we will provide you a sheet of paper. And by sheet of paper, I mean a thing that you can print off that has all of our challenges. We're going to do 12 of them, so you could do one a month if you are um, you know, want to do it that way. And then at the end, what we're going to ask people to do is either send a picture of their completed challenge 
and email it to us, or I guess you could fax it to us. Please don't do that. Um, send us a screenshot, whatever, via email or social media at the end of 2019, and we're going to give away some devices for people. Um, so I think I've stalled long enough. Yes, you have. Okay. Also, because we are only asking for 12 books, you are not allowed to double dip. Yeah. We are going to make you read 12 different books. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Technically, you only have to read 10 and then listen to two, but we'll get to that. Okay. So these are uh, these are for the, the 2019 Pro Book Nerd Reading Challenge. You can start planning ahead now. Yeah. Book set on a continent other than your own. A book written by two or more authors. Book with a cover you hate. Listen to an audiobook. Uh, read a retelling of a classic book, fairy tale, or play. A classic book you've been meaning to read but haven't yet. Children's book you've never read. Book by an author of a different race, ethnicity, or religion than, than your own. A book whose movie or television adaptation comes out in 2019. A book that appear, that has appeared on ALA's frequently challenged book list. You can pick any year. Book published the year you were born. An autobiog- uh, audiobook. Oh my gosh, I cannot talk. No, you're doing great. <laughs> audiobook of a memoir or autobiography read by the author. Yes. So we will have all those in, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, not immediately, but I will have it up on our, the Overdrive blog, but we'll put it up right away on our social media. By the time you hear this, you'll be able to see it. And then also I'll make sure that it's front and center on our website. So if you go there and scroll down just a little bit, you'll see an image of it that you can grab. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about all that. It's going to be awesome. Like, despite what I said, you can do audiobooks for all of them. I'm just saying. Yeah, that. you can listen to 12 audiobooks. <laughs> there are, you know, everybody else, they, we're going to make you listen to at least two. Yeah, the the uh, the listen to an audiobook thing was uh, our not-so-sly way of being like, if you haven't listened to an audiobook, you really need to. They're awesome. Also, they count. Also, they count. Exactly. Reading is reading. Uh, okay, so that's going to be our 2019 Professional Book Nerds Reading Challenge. We'll be sure to talk about that several times over the next couple episodes uh, so that you can get a jump start on that. And again, we're going to give away devices, so it's not just for your own personal gain. Um, another thing, if you are not following us on Instagram, you should, because if you are still listening to this on Thursday, uh, December 20th, we have an Instagram giveaway happening um, in conjunction with the episode that went live on Monday, which is my interview with writer Carol, the uh, creator of the Bullet Journal Method. So if you head over to at ProBookNerds on Instagram, you can enter our giveaway for a copy of writer's book, The Bullet Journal Method, and then a um, bullet journal that you can use yourself. And it's the same one that I personally will be using um, in 2019 and, and used for 2018. But that's only good for Thursday. So yeah, that's only good if for you're Thursday. Listening to this the day this episode goes live, you still have an opportunity to enter. However, you are going to want to still follow us on Instagram because in a few short weeks we're going to be doing a really cool giveaway, like specialized to Jill and one to me, uh, for our listeners who follow us on Instagram to celebrate our 300th episode, which is coming up. So. I got really excited about that idea, and I, t- I like, text you it or something, and you all caps were like, yes, great, yep. perfect. Um, okay, good introing. We did it. Uh, now we should talk about what we did today, because it was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. So uh, Jill and I both got to interview Charlene Harris, who is best known for the Sookie Stackhouse books, um, but she's written a whole bunch of amazing stories, a lot of which are now television shows or movies and things of that nature. Um in addition to being an author who I adore and my wife is a massive fan of the Sookie Stackhouse books, 
she's friggin' hilarious. Oh my gosh, you guys. She was so funny. I, that has to be the hardest. We've like we've the laughed. most amazing accent. Oh, it's so <laughs> soothing. Her accent is like a slice of peach pie and very sweet tea on a front porch in Georgia. Like it's she's it was great. I loved it so much. Uh, we did talk about some True Blood things at the end. We did. Um, but we talked about her new books first because that's what we're supposed to do, obviously. Um, she just immediately, when we called her and started talking, she just like warmed our hearts right away. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. I, I'll i try to edit out some of Jill and I laughing really hard because there was a lot of it. This is the most we've ever laughed during an episode. I, uh, yeah, that feels... Fairly safe to say, yeah. Like I don't even eat meat, but I want her to make me fried chicken. Like, <laughs> just like they're actually just like the grandmother in the Sticky Stackhouse books. Like, uh, everything about her is southern and wonderful. That was so, really good. Uh, do you, is there other things you think people should know about this conversation or anything like that? I think that's everything. Okay, all right. That was a lot of information. We'll be sure to run back a bunch of that in next uh, introductions and things, so you have all of it. But for now, I hope you guys enjoy this comical conversation with the wonderful Charlene Harris on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Adam and Jill again, and we're super, super excited to be chatting with Charlene Harris, whose name you very likely know from some of her various wildly popular book series, including the Midnight Texas series, the Aurora Tea Garden series, and one of my wife and Mai's favorite book series, all of the Sookie Stackhouse books. So we're going to get into all of that stuff in just a little bit, but she also has a new book series that she has released the first title for called An Easy Death, and we're going to start with that in just a second. But first off, Charlene, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I always enjoy talking to book people. <laughs> so can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction about your um, new book series, An Easy Death? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, it's different from anything I've ever written because I don't like doing the same thing over and over. It's uh, it's like a, um, a Western set in the 30s and an alternate America uh, with a female protagonist who is a professional gunslinger. I pretty much like everything about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did, too. (laughs) I'll be honest. um, When I was researching this and I saw what it was all about, Jill and I have done this long enough together where we know each other's likes and dislikes, and I was like, oh, man, this is right up both of our alleys. It sounds so wonderful. Well, I hope it lived up to that. <laughs> um, so I'm, cu- I'm curious, you know, we always love talking about, like, inspirations for books and things like that. So how did you kind of come up with the idea of your main character, Lizbeth Rose? Well, I was thinking about writing a, a short story for a charity anthology. And since it, I never write series characters for those, because it's, it's a one-off, mm-hmm. and uh, you may never see the story again, the whole anthology might sink like a stone, you never know. So I decided to play a little bit with it, and I thought, you know, I've always enjoyed movies about women who were good with guns, 
and uh, frankly killed a lot of people. So maybe I should uh, try writing a short story about someone like that. And Elizabeth kind of crept into my head after that. <laughs> you can't tell, but we're laughing in a very positive way. It's yeah. like this idea where you're like, yeah, they kill a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I, I hated to, to face that in myself. And for a while in interviews, I made the mistake of saying, killing a lot of men, <laughs> uh, which kind of turned off the guys in the audience for some unknown reason. Uh, so I, I realized, really, it wasn't the killing of the people. It was the power. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> okay. Listen, as a male, I can comfortably say that most men are pretty terrible, and I can understand why they would be saying that. We have way too big of an ego as, like, an entire sex, so I totally get that. Well, in my defense, let me point out, I've been married to the same man for 40 years, and he survived. <laughs> so far, anyway. So far. Um, okay, so... <laughs> It's going to become really clear to readers pretty quickly, and you talked about this, that you created this alternate timeline of history, and, but you do have plot points in here that, are, that have realistic historical characters, both American and Russian, as well as talking about the Great Depression and you know, geographical locations. So how much actual, did you do research on these particular characters before you went into writing them? I did, um, because I wanted to at least say, that what I, I did say about the characters was true, even though they're set in a fantastical landscape of an America that's been divided into some strange ways. I wanted uh, their backstory to be factual. So even though you were having them the backstory be factual, kind of how much did you concern yourself with, like, really keeping historically accurate kind of like reference points for them was it more so about using these characters and so that people who knew who they might be or were you really like cognizant of no this was you know how old they were this was the type of person that they were or was it more so just using characters that you knew were recognizable um it was in my case it was using actual historical characters in in a small proportion of the book but I wanted them to be uh, absolutely uh, factual until the point where my history deviated from the uh, given history of America and Russia, as it turns out. <laughs> so this is the start of a series, and as we've mentioned, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, you've had many wildly successful series. So as someone who writes series, do you have the entire arc planned out ahead of time, or do you kind of begin with the first book and see where it goes? Uh, generally, I have no idea, but with the first book, I kind of figured out where the second book would be going, and amazingly, when I was about halfway through with the second book, I knew what had to happen in the third book. So for me, that's way ahead. <laughs> So this sounds like a unique situation, though, but when you were writing some of your other series, like, do you even plan out and sort of plot out book by book at least, or do you sort of, are you more of a pantser when it comes to your writing process? Oh, so much of a pantser, it's, it's ludicrous. <laughs> uh, I only knew where the Sookie series would end, and uh, I just took 
many books getting there. <laughs> but I did know how it would end. I just didn't know what would happen to her in the meantime. <laughs> oh, man. I love that so much. I That makes me so happy to know that, well, because as a reader, when you're reading the books, I feel like a lot of times you read a, a specific you know, harrowing moment for your, your favorite character and you wonder how they're going to get out of it. It's kind of refreshing to know that you were probably thinking the same thing <laughs> when you were oh, writing no it. no kidding. I did. Uh, when I was writing the Aurora Tea Garden series, and my favorite book out of that pretty much is The Julius House. Mm-hmm. And when I, it's about a family that vanished and no one's ever found the bodies. And, of course, the whole premise of the story is that my... My librarian, Aurora Teagard, does find them. But honestly, when I started the book, I had no idea of where they were. And I considered the most ridiculous uh, explanations for where they might be. I thought, well, if they brought in a, a mechanical hoe and they did, you know, and I just, I just kept thinking, what if they buried a car? You know, I just had the most bizarre ideas until finally... I came up with the location of the Julius family. That is amazing. I'm just imagining you having like this giant like scratch piece of paper with all these absurd <laughs> ideas with like red lines through them. Like, well, that didn't work, and then this. <laughs> no, that couldn't work. You could see that from aerial photography. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you have you know these other series, and now you have this new one, which do you find more challenging, or what is more exciting to you? Wrapping up a story you've spent so much time in, or creating a world with new readers, uh, with new characters that your readers don't know yet? I love the world-building part of it. It's so much fun to venture into virgin territory. Uh, Wrapping up is pretty hard because uh, you have to tie up all the loose ends you can, and uh, especially the Sookie books after 13 books. That was, (laughs) I had to start two books out and kind of work my way through the all the mm-hmm. things I had to give readers a, a feeling of satisfaction that they had concluded uh, the story. And, of course, obviously, I had a, a lot of trouble with that because of the end being leaked <laughs> and uh, the consequence storm of, you know, mm-hmm. what... That hit me in the head after that. Um, I I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, though, because especially with a series that sprawling, you know, when when you first begin a series, you meet all these characters and, you know, the story obviously starts in sort of one location. And especially with, like, the Sookie Stackhouse books, like, it then extends over all these these different plot lines and storylines. And like you said, I imagine it, it was probably pretty difficult for you to say, okay, I need to find reasons for them to all come back to the same area it's kind of like almost like a tree like it branches out but then it eventually needs to to come back to the center sometimes you just lop off a lot of branches (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's another way to solve the problem yeah i just that's one option when there is no there's no uh shortage of people who get left off in that series anyway this is true this is true sometimes i regret the wholesale slaughter 
but at the time, I was just trying to simplify the storyline so I could conclude the series. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to get into it, but my wife takes a lot of umbrage with you killing off Lafayette in the first book. I'm just saying, I'm not going to oh. get into it. I'm sure you're. I'm no, not the first person. A, he wasn't as fabulous in the book as he was in the TV show. Oh, oh, I know, but she was still very upset about it. I, I was told to pass that on. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. <laughs> what's she going to do about it now? I, know. I was just told. My, my wife I is... I can't retroactively yeah. bring him back. I'm so sorry. Well, maybe he could show up in one of, the, like one of your other stories, like just like as a side character. Like there's just a wonderful line cook who just... It doesn't even have to have the same name. Like maybe in one of the later books of this new series, just like there's just a line cook. Where you're like, I think I recognize that guy. That's actually that's <laughs> He's fabulous. That's actually no, no. That's a good question. Like, would you consider your books all taking place in the same universe, or do they take place in different ones? No, they take place in different ones. Uh, when you look at the Aurora Tea Garden books, they're clearly conventional mysteries, mm-hmm. and it would totally ruin the the tone of those to have a vampire suddenly <laughs> pop in. Uh, likewise, I just can't see um, a librarian uh, like Aurora being at home in Midnight, Texas. So we're not going to see any werepires in an Easy Death? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Right. Uh, it, it would be... Uh, oh, now there is a vampire in Easy, in Easy Death. See, just make it like Godric or someone. It just it it'll be totally fine. Just change the name retroactively. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, you speaking of all of your different, you're just mentioning having a conventional mystery and then all of the you know fantastical elements of some of the other stories. You really have this awesome ability to jump between genres from book to book and series to series. Do you have a genre that you prefer writing in? You know, I like to change things around uh, because it refreshes me, I think, and stimulates me as a writer. So I'm in favor of uh, whatever for trying different things. You know, I've written some graphic novels with Chris Golden. Um, I wrote a conventional romance novella (laughs) once, and that was really interesting to write. Uh, I've tried to write a little bit of everything because I think it, it's good to keep challenging yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you think that use, having all those different avenues of, of writing helps you creativity? You know, helps your creativity when it comes to like you. You may be writing a traditional mystery, but having written in the other genres, do you think that that helps you kind of work your way around the plot and characters? I'm sure all the experience I gather writing in any genre uh, just helps me all across the board as a writer. Do you have a favorite part of the writing process? Well, I like the part where you just sit and think. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I, I hate the middle of a book. I like the beginning. I like the end. Middles are just soggy, you know. Uh, it's just really hard to keep things moving really briskly in the middle. Uh, it's always a challenge for me. 
It's funny you say sitting and thinking. Uh, we interviewed Lee Child, and I remember him telling us that his favorite part of the writing process was the time of day when he's reading other books and not <laughs> and not thinking about his books. You know, that would uh, I started to say that myself. <laughs> uh, anytime I'm reading is good because I feel like I'm not only entertaining myself, which is you know very important, but. I'm also learning from other writers. That makes sense. Sometimes what not to do. <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, when you read a, a writer who is really excellent at what they do, you can't help but learn some things, I hope. Mm-hmm. So what kind of books do you like to read? Well, I like Lee's books a whole lot. <laughs> um, uh, we've known each other for forever. I, I read a lot of urban fantasy uh, Patricia Briggs and Ann Bishop are two of my favorites, but there are so many. Uh, I read some kind of romancy urban fantasy like Janine Frost, uh, who is so good. And I read some conventional mysteries, Robert Craze, Lee Child. Uh, my friend Tony Kilmer writes that, well, in, under her other name is Lee Perry, writes a wonderful series about an ambulatory skeleton. Which you kind of have to read to to believe, but it's really great the way she does it. Uh, I just really read a lot of different things, uh, and I think that enriches me um, mentally and skill as my skill set. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned, you know, we already talked about it a little bit, but a lot of your your books have become TV series and, and movies. You know, we already mentioned. True Blood with Stucky Stackhouse and, you know, Midnight Texas has had a couple of seasons on NBC. And then the Hallmark Channel has done a couple of the Aurora Tea Garden movies. So when you, after you kind of hand those stories off to the various networks, do you have any involvement in the way that the stories are played out? Very little. Uh, and that is okay with me. Uh People who don't like the TV shows end up saying, oh, they ruined your books. Well, they didn't. My books are still there. They're exactly the same. (laughs) But I enjoy seeing uh, my characters interpreted by someone else and seeing what they do with them. I also uh, hope that people who watch the shows will go by the books, which, after all, is my primary responsibility and concern. (laughs) That's a very good point. That is a good point. So do you watch the the movies and TV shows then? I do. Um, Often they'll send me a screener ahead of time. Not always, but just when they happen to remember me. (laughs) 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 They will. Uh, And I've I've enjoyed it. You know, I'm always interested in the process. Writing is so solitary. And look at the... I've been on enough sets now to know what a huge... Uh, ensemble it takes to produce a few seconds of film is just incredible being around that many people all day. I don't know how they stand it. <laughs> um, so, like I mentioned, especially with True Blood, but I know that all of them, they've all of the stories have kind of when they're on the you know on the, the silver screen, as you might say, they sort of veer away a little bit from your original storylines. So were there any aspects of, of any of the shows or anything that you saw and you're like, oh man, I wish I would have put those in my books? Every now and then, uh, there's something 
that I think, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. Like it, um, in the True Blood series, I thought Jessica was just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, golly, I wish I'd thought of that. But I didn't, you know. I have to uh, go, with what I, go with what I wrote at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that you always wanted to be a writer? Like, was this kind of always your your plan when you were growing up? Did you always want to uh-huh. do this? I did always want to be a writer. Uh, and I'm just so incredibly lucky that it turned out I could do that. So how did you get started? I mean, do you remember, like, the process of writing your first book? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You never forget your first book. Um, Yes, uh, I had been writing little things all along. And when I got married, uh, my husband suggested I stay home and write full time since that was the wish of my heart, which was an incredibly generous offer. And I took advantage of it and and wrote a book, and um, Houghton Mifflin took it. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I'm seeing why he stayed around for four years. (laughs) Well, you know, it makes a lot of people dislike me intensely. But uh, a part of it was the work, and part of it was talent, and part of it was sheer luck. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That is a really, I mean, that's... That's a unique relationship but to be able to to just say, like, yeah, go ahead and, and, and write. And like you said, there is a lot of luck in it, but obviously, I mean, your work speaks for itself. There's a lot of talent there as well. Um, does it ever feel different? Like, do you ever get more comfortable with the writing process in the sense of, we talked to a lot of authors who say that, you know, they never stop being nervous when they s- send their, their first draft to editors and things like that. Like, do you ever kind of lose that um, nervousness and everything? I don't. I'm always terrified till I hear from them. Uh, even though I, I'm pretty sure it's okay, but still, uh, there's that massive insecurity uh, when you get about halfway through it, or when you finish the first draft. You think, God, this is the worst thing I've ever written. Nobody will ever publish this. And uh, amazingly, uh, it turns out to be an okay book usually. And they will publish it. <laughs> oh, man, that's um, that makes me feel better that even, you know, people who are as, as successful as you feel the same way as, as you know, debut authors yeah. and things like that. I think it's oh, a- no, I, I definitely feel that way, and I don't know many writers who who actually get over that. Yeah, I, it's funny. I follow a lot of writers on Twitter, and you always see that when they're sort of struggling through that part of the book. Or they get to the end and they're like, nobody's going to read this. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, this this sucks on every level. <laughs> so at the end of all of our interviews, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine sort of lighthearted questions. Don't put too much thought into them, okay? Okay, I won't. I promise I won't put too much thought into them. <laughs> what was the last book you finished reading? Oh, the last book I finished reading was... Um, the Cabin at the End of the World by oh, Paul Trimbley. Love that book. I love that book. I haven't read that one yet, but I read A Head Full of Ghosts. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, this is the first thing of his I had ever read. And honestly, it's a rare book. I can't pick out, I can't decide what the ending is going to be ahead of time. Uh, but I could not, I could not even determine how this book would end. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place to read? 
Yes, in my recliner. What book made you fall in love with reading? Jane Eyre. That's a good one. Uh, One place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Africa. Do you have a favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Oh, man. I love them both. I love mammals. But we have dogs. (laughs) Okay. Favorite food? Favorite food? Barbecue. And if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you pick? Oh, um, We always get yelled at for this one. <laughs> wow, I don't know. Um, I've, I've had dinner with most of the people I want to have dinner with. That's a perfectly uh, fine answer. The great thing about being a writer, you get to meet other writers <laughs> that's a good and that's point. i don't know i'd like i wouldn't mind talking to jane austen for a while i can't imagine what we would talk about i was gonna say if you told us that you've had dinner with jane austen then i would have <laughs> i'd have a few more questions for you i bet you would <laughs> <laughs> you'd be calling on the other line that's for a, somebody to come pick me up that's oh man uh last question for you what do you hope that readers take away from reading your books I hope that they have a vacation from their daily worries. That is perfect. Charlene, thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. Uh, Well, thank you so much for calling me. I enjoyed talking to both of you very much. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.